Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 147. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Well, this week, our guest is Ryan Wright. Almost 10 years ago, Ryan started investing in fix and flip properties. He soon saw that it was difficult to get funding quickly on these properties, much less from a reputable and reliable source. He saw the need and filled it and founded DoHardMoney.com. Well, we're going to be talking about the life cycle of a real estate investor, as Ryan likes to call it, from learning about his very first house-hacked duplex to his subsequent fix-and-flip properties and how he has built a hard-money lending business. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, today I welcome on the show, Ryan Wright. Ryan, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Excited to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Hey, absolutely. It's our pleasure. Well, Ryan, for the audience members that don't know you, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, kind of your journey in investing in real estate and just your your kind of path up to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think I was kind of destined for real estate. Uh, you know, my grandfather was, uh, he did a lot of heating and air conditioning work and he kind of stumbled into flipping properties back forever ago. Um, before it was popular, he did some flips in Southern California. Lots of times they'd buy a house that needed work, move into it, renovate it, sell it, you know, that type of thing. He did it in Southern California and also in Southern Utah. And then, um, you know, I kind of grew up in the business a little bit. My dad was a chiropractor, um, but he got into the rental side where my grandfather was mostly doing some flips, maybe living in them. Not, not real aggressive, not a primary business, but you know, a great way to make some extra income. And my dad got into the rental side and he got into plexes, duplexes, threeplexes. I spent most of my, you know, summers, you know, clearing out and painting a, a <laughs> plex, you know, that type of stuff, slave labor, I guess. And, um, but I learned a lot from doing that. Funny enough, I was able to work with my grandfather. Um, you know, when he got, when he was older and kind of retired and we'd work on some of my dad's projects. And so, you know, and then from there, it's just, I, I knew real estate was the place to make money and have long-term security. Um, and so I started, I bought my first uh, Plex when I was 21 years old and, um, you know, got my real estate license when I was 21. And from there, you know, helped people buy and sell houses and then got into buying my own rentals and then got into flipping and then got into, you know, wholesaling and then got into uh, uh, lending money. So I've, I've kind of, I call it the life cycle of a real estate investor. I've started, you know, at the beginning and worked my way through um, to the lending side of it. And so I, I love it. It's, uh, it's in my blood. Yeah, I love that. So you've got a long lineage all the way going back to your grandfather kind of flipping and uh, doing like live-in flips in Southern California. Your dad was involved in the small rental business. So yeah, it's just kind of in your blood. So here you are 21 years old, which is, you know, 
a, a great age to get started. I'm sure a lot of people out there listening are either around that age or wishing they had started at that age. So you buy a Plex. What was that exactly? And walk us through that. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. Um, it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, I was, I was, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I remember being at the closing table and um, they brought the documents out to sign and um, I took my dad with me, right? Because he bought a lot of properties before. And I started reading every line on the, you know, on the the paperwork, which you should do. I'm a lender. You should do that. But, um, you know, so, but I'm going through every line and he just looks up and he looks at me and he's like, there's two options here, son. You can sign it and you get the house or you can not sign it and you don't, and you have no say in this. Like whatever's on there is on there. So you understand it, but it's like, hey, just go for it. But I remember just being kind of scared to death. Most kids, you know, that age are, you know, worried about buying a car and I'm buying a Plex. And the funny thing with this Plex, so it was a duplex. But what I I saw in it was there was a basement under one of the Plexes that, that I could separate, that I could close off and turn into a threeplex. And so I went in there and, um, you know, with a lot of sweat equity, went in there and turned into a threeplex. And then I ended up moving into it, um, newly married at the time um, with my wife that's amazing, who's also a real estate broker and a real estate investor. We've done the journey together. 18 years of happy marriage, by the way. Well, I should say 18 years of marriage and, and working every day makes it happy. But um, so anyway, we turned, we turned the bottom into to a another units. Now it's a threeplex. Now I'm cash flowing really well. Um, and then the city found out about it because I guess I wasn't supposed to and I didn't know enough about it. And so then I had to move the stairs to another place. And you know, it was a big rigmarole, but I actually held that property for probably, oh, I can't remember how much I paid. I mean, this is back, this is 2000. Um, I probably held the property five years, maybe six years, sold it for a profit. Um, you know, cash flowed it. I made a strategic decision to get out of plexes and into single family houses. Um, so I kind of moved up the food chain, as I would call it, from, you know, you know, C or B quality rentals to B and A quality rentals is one of the big things I've done. Yeah, awesome. So kind of take us through that mindset when you're buying this very first property. I mean, you mentioned the fear of, you know, just all this paperwork and like the fear of the unknown, but what was motivating you? What was driving you to, you know, do this live in uh, kind of house hack strategy, if you will. Yeah. Well, I just, I had seen it. So I think that was, you know, part, part of the thing I I went to real estate school, I was going to real estate school or had just finished when I bought that. No, actually I, yeah, I wasn't the agent. I had somebody else represent me actually to buy that property. And I was just scared, you know, just, is this the right property? Is this the right location? Is it going to pay off for me long-term? But I had just seen historically in my own experience with my grandfather and with my father that real estate, if you buy it, it's, it's you know, real buy real estate and wait. Don't wait to buy real estate, the cliche <laughs> you hear all the time. Right. I just knew over time it would work out. And, and frankly, uh, Jacob, I don't think I got a good deal. I actually, I know I didn't get a good deal, um, but I bought it. I improved the property and I was able to sell it for a profit. Um, and it, it, it wasn't a great deal. Uh, it was an average deal or even just uh, buying almost close to retail deal. Um, but it, uh, it paid off for me because I waited and, and sold it at the right time. Um, I was willing to rent it. Um, land, you know, having tenants is a new experience. A lot of people think tenants are easy um, or they'll just hire a management company. And it just, uh, from my experience, it doesn't work like that, um, which is why I started working up the progression. But I think that deal itself, I remember late nights and early mornings, you know, we're in there 
painting. We're in there. I, you know, I got my sprayer out in my, um, and I had some experience because my grandpa and my dad, but you know, I got the hopper out there to, to spray the walls, to texture them. And the thing blew up and you know, my, my new bride (laughs) paint all over her hands. We can't get off. And you know, we look back at the time it was like, really difficult. It was really a challenge. Um, we look back on it now with really fond memories. Um, but at the time, you know, I remember getting my brother to come help us paint. And, um, you know, he, it, it was when Seinfeld had just started. And, you know, if Seinfeld was coming on, he's like, Hey, I got to go home to watch Seinfeld or you got to pay me double time. And, um, you know, so it was just a difficult experience. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that you said that first deal, you know, you didn't get a good deal on it. And you know, a lot of people's first deals, they're almost certainly not home runs, they're not going to move that needle. They're probably not even great deals, because at that time, you really don't know what you're doing. But from that, most people learn so much, and they get into it, and they realize like, you know, what they've done wrong and ways to improve going forward. So yeah, you know, getting into that first deal, you know, there's a lot of fear and trepidation, just fear of this unknown, right? And you're going to put down a large sum of money and take on tenants in this new property. So really, you know, really new, like world you're opening yourself into. But yeah, I really love that you say that, you know, it wasn't a great deal, but here you are still alive and able to talk about it today. <laughs> well, and, and we help a lot of first time people get deals done, you know, so we, we do a lot of things to help first timers. I, I love helping first timers. It's, it's hard to do, but there's two things I really notice. One, where they ever get there. Um, that's, that's a trend I see time and time again, they get really close and give up on themselves, which I hate to see. And the, the other trend that I, that I see is they have, they have too big of expectations for that first deal. Like your first deal is the school of hard knocks just prepare for it, get ready for it. It will pay for itself if you continue on the journey. So don't give up before you get one. When you get one, you're going to pay for it, you know, because you're going to learn from it. And if you use that experience, it will be invaluable to the rest of your life if you use it right. But if you think you're going to, you know, HGTV, I think has just made it so, you look so glamorous, right? I, I go home, I'm eating dinner. By the time I'm done with dinner, they're done with the house. I have dessert. They sold it for 50 grand. They're off to the races and it happened in 22 minutes. (laughs) Yes, so true, Ryan. Well, hey, you bring up an interesting point, and I'd like to dive into it, and that is you mentioned this progression from multifamilies to single families, and I find that to be interesting. But first, before we dive into that, let's take a quick message from our show sponsor. Obtaining financing for any deal can be stressful, especially not knowing if your deal is likely to be financed and having to wait for the bank to tell you yes or no. Knowing your deal looks good before you go is a huge stress reliever and very empowering. Using CLS you know before you go to the bank. You also know if the asking price for a deal is realistic based on the analysis from the software. It really is an awesome platform and I highly recommend it. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more and for special pricing. Well, Ryan, coming back to that subject of progressing from multifamilies to single families, I'd like to get your take on that because most investors out there start with single families and then progress to multifamilies, maybe small multifamilies, you know, duplexes, triplexes. Most investors out there start with single families and then progress to multifamilies. So, Walk us through your progression and kind of your thought process there. 
Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to, you know, it really comes down to what you want out of life. And so at that time, you know, fast forward five years from that first deal, um, we were really successful real estate agents, which you don't need to be to be an investor. Um, but we were, we were real estate agents, but we had gotten into buying the rentals and we had just started, we were too scared to flip properties ourselves. And so we found people that wanted to flip properties and we would help them buy the property and require them to sell the property. So we'd make double the commission. We make commission on each end. And so we were helping people do that. Um, but about that time, we started looking at the plexes and we had so much, there, there's so much management on a plex. And so we decided to start, I would call it upgrade our inventory where we, we made a lifestyle decision. You know, we have dealt with getting a call from the police department. There was a shooting, you know, in, you know, good areas and in bad areas. We were dealing with tenants that moved out in the middle of the night. And so we started to institute a philosophy where we want long-term tenants. And so, you know, right now my average tenant stays in a property four to five years. I had a tenant that just moved out that was there eight and a half years. Um, and so we have changed. So we'll actually, we want good properties and good areas, single family houses, we want families to move in. We underrent the property just mildly, you know, 50 to 100 bucks a month, which most people are trying to just kill it on cash flow. But what they don't realize is if, if, I, if I have a property that rents for 1,200 bucks and, and I rent it for 11 and I lose 100 bucks a month, so I lose $1,200, that's equivalent to, to one month's loss of rent. So if I can keep somebody in there for eight years, you know, and, I'm, and so I'm saving that turnover every single year. Plus when you turn over, you got to do carpet and paint or, you know, you got to get rent ready stuff, I'm money ahead. And so I'm typically a little bit cheaper than everybody else, but I make it on the long term because I get tenants to stay for eight years and they don't call me in and bug me. Like lots of our tenants, we have a special program we run. They take care of the majority of stuff themselves. And then they have a vendor list of, of guys we've approved that we know and they go there. And if they see something weird with the property, they call us, but we, we screen heavily. I look at tenants like employees. I'm going to do a job interview. I'm going to say, why should I give you the keys to my mansion? This is worth a quarter of a million dollars. Tell me why I should let you come inside my house. Um, I don't look at it as a desperation of, you know, who can I get to come in here? I look at it saying, I want to hire the right guy that's going to take care of my house and stay there a long time. And that's a personal preference. I like to travel. I like my free time. I don't like dealing with tenants. I don't like the late night phone calls. So that was just a personal decision that we made for lifestyle. I mean, strategically, is it the best business decision? Maybe not. Um, you know, you probably want to, you know, leverage up and leverage up and leverage up. But, you know, we're really happy. I like single families. I like having families in there. Our, our tenants take great care of the properties. They improve the property. So it's been a, it's been a, a strategic move that we've enjoyed. Yeah, no, and I think that's awesome. At least you're doing something with purpose and intention and you're not just getting, you know, washed into whatever kind of comes your way and whatever tenants come your way and whatever properties come your way. You're doing stuff with intention and focus. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. So kind of this progression you made from plexus to single families was in terms of trying to upgrade in quality of property and quality of tenant and just, you know, kind of reduce those headaches and let it be a little bit more passive, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So, so you, now you hear you are investing in single families and you've done a lot of different stuff since then. So kind of walk us continuing on your journey from there. Yeah, you know what the the I guess you could say the one of the big strategic or one of the big forks in the road, I guess you could say for me was we were, you know, we had the rental properties, we were real estate agents, we were helping other people buy and sell properties. And uh, my wife at the time, my wife, Hillary, um, still my wife today, um, she found, found a deal and uh, she came to me with it. 
and said, I found this deal. I'll remember like it was yesterday on Lamar street. And she said, and I put it under contract in our name. And I'm like, what? You know, cause we were kind of risk adverse. I mean, I was doing the rentals, but that would seem more long-term. The fix and flip seemed scarier. You had a short period of time, but I understood it because I'd helped other people do it, but I hadn't done it myself yet. And I what helped- kind of property was this? Single family house. Okay. Um, just a fix and flip. And so we went out there and looked at it and stewed over it. Probably went over there a hundred times and um, you know, and then finally it was the day where our earnest money went non-refundable and we were agents. So we knew what that meant, yeah. you know, that we were liable, we'd lose the money, you know, could get sued, those types of things. And I remember standing over there and my wife looked at me and she's like, you know what, if we don't ever try, we won't ever know. We've got to take a risk. Nothing gained, nothing ventured, nothing gained. We're doing it. And, um, that really gave me the confidence. I remember we were standing in the kitchen, like this was a life changing event. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I remember being scared to death, but it wasn't for her pushing me over the edge um, and actually doing it. Now, we weren't making a stupid decision. We were agents. We did the research 12 times, you know, that type of stuff. But still, even with having helped other people flip properties, having been a real estate agent, a top real estate agent, we, we were nominated for Real Estate Rookie of the Year. We were in um, Ski Magazine. We've been in publications. Like, we were pretty established agents that were doing a lot of volume. It was still a scary experience for me. And it was still hard for me to say, yeah, let's go to it. And, and we had rental properties. We're buying rental properties. That just seemed simpler to me because that first deal is just so hard. And so we ended up buying that property and uh, fixing that property up and ended up turning, I, memory serves me a $20,000 or $22,000 profit on that deal. And then from there on, it got us hooked and we started flipping more and more and more properties. Um, so we always had multiple projects going at the same time. We probably did, oh, anywhere but three to five properties a month. But we really found that we, we liked the retail properties. We liked the transformation. We liked the construction with my you know, experience with my grandfather, my dad, I had, I knew enough about it that it, no one could take advantage of us. Um, you know, I knew, Hey, this is ridiculous. So it, it really, it's funny how, you know, life is a journey and, and, you know, the things you learn come back and can be successful and valuable for you. Yeah. Well, going back to what you mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, you said HGTV has ruined a lot of people. They think they can go and just, you know, simply flip a property and it's so easy. We're going to tear down this wall and put granite countertops here and there and, you know, do this and do that. And all these numbers are going to work out fine. And not to mention, they think it's not going to be an additional job, but flipping properties can be a job unless you turn it into a business that you can outsource and scale. So kind of walk us through how you've done that as I imagine you have. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's a good goal to get where you've got people that can help you with things. Um, But I think that you need to get your hands dirty and understanding that before you can really train, hire, outsource. So I think without the foundational knowledge, you can get yourself in trouble. Um, It doesn't mean it's impossible to do, but I really think getting your hands dirty makes sense. Um, So, I mean, we do we do lending all over the country. We build software. We have all kinds of stuff. So I have a, I have a team here that works with properties all over the country. Um, we have contractors we have relationships with and have for a long time. So I've got a lot of resources that um, makes it easier for me um, because I already have teams established that help with 
you know, properties that get into trouble that are loans, or I have agents that will go sell properties or look at properties and boots on the ground and all that type of stuff. So I already, I've, I've established a network and an infrastructure. Um, but you know, when you're doing your first deal, I think it's really important that you, that you're there, you're on the project every single day. I think it's important you're there when the inspection gets done and you stand with the inspector and he shows you what everything means. And I think it's really important you're out there with the contractor. I think it's important that you, you get a contractor. I find so many people thinking they're going to do the work themselves and they don't have the skill set and it's, they underbid it and they get themselves into trouble all the time. Um, you know, and that's the worst part about it is, you know, somebody that thought they were going to make a bunch of money and we end up having to take the house because they, you know, screw the whole thing up and it can't come up with additional cash to make it right. And um, that, that's the downside to some of the things that we do, but um, it's, it can all be avoided on the front end if you do it right. Yeah, no, I love that. And absolutely true. So, you know, I kind of think when you start out as a real estate investor, you start out, you know, maybe whatever your niche is, and then there's all these spokes of the wheels you can build off from there. So let's take, for instance, in your example, you know, you start off, let's say you start off in this single family arena, you're buying single family rentals, then you're starting to do some loans for flips, you're starting to do some flips yourself, you mentioned the software business and all these other spokes of the wheels. So kind of talk us through your your kind of progression and your thought process of building these other kind of business uh, ventures, if you will. Yeah, I mean, really for me, it's, I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a situation where I can do things I really love. Um, and I love real estate. I always have. It's just, just one of those things in the blood. But um, I also love seeing, I love changing people's lives. And there's nothing that's more rewarding than seeing somebody. I, like we helped an 18-year-old girl do her first flip. Um, and uh, she just graduated from high school. You know, she bought the wow. property. It had problems with it. Her name was Victoria. And she did her flip. She, it, memory serves right. She made like 30 grand on the deal. And it's like when you get that, the message back from her where it's like, you changed my life. That's really, really exciting. Um, it, it takes a lot of work though. I mean, the reality is we're looking for a few good men, you know, type idea. We're looking for Marines. We're looking for guys that, you know, are willing to stick with it. We're looking for people that aren't whiners. We're looking for people that are willing to have the tenacity to go through the hard things. Boot camp is not easy and it's not easy for a reason um, because it's hard because it takes a lot of work. And But when you come to the other side of it, um, the snowball rolls down the hill really rapidly, but getting it started is hurtful and painful sometimes. And so, you know, I've tried to put tools and resources and all kinds of things together to help people get that snowball rolling down the hill. Um, but in the end, they have to decide to do that. And, you know, you, no matter how much blame or, you know, fault finding or whatever you want to do for anybody else, it really comes down to, do you have it in your gut to stick with it? And uh, for in my situation, I, it was my wife that had the tenacity to say, no, we're doing this thing and give me the courage to do it. Um, even with all of my experience, I was still scared to do it. And, and that's an important point because having had the rental properties and having helped other people flip properties, you would think it would be very easy for me to say, heck yeah, let's go do this thing. But it wasn't. It really wasn't. True story. It was my wife's courage that got me there. So you got to have the courage, the and willing to do it. Um, but with that, we have started to build out um, multiple different software services that can help people, you know, get that first deal, make it easier, make it safer, make it more profitable. Yeah, I love that. Well, one shout out to Victoria, 18 year olds flipping her first home for a profit of $30,000. That is impressive, way more than a lot of people will ever do. So yeah, really, really impressive there. So you know, kind of moving forward, you mentioned the software. What what do you have in the works there? What is your software? 
<laughs> so we've got a few, I mean, I call it the unfair advantage really, but we've got a few different software. So one of the first softwares we developed, so I'm a lender. Um, I have people coming to us and we work with a lot of new people. And so um, we were lending money. This is back, say, this is before 2008. Um, we started lending money. It was going like gangbusters. Um, I, I, I actually had a, let me tell you the, the story of getting in the money business. I had a client that was one of my real estate clients and he lives overseas. Um, I found him, by the way, prospecting for rent by owners. So I called all the for rent by owners and said, do you want to sell rather than rent? I found him that way. And I ended up liquidating 30 or 40 different properties for him to the tune of like five to $7 million over the course of like five or six years. And then uh, he'd come into town every year and I always tried to figure out what properties he owned and he inherited a bunch and I could never find it. And it, we'd sell one and a few months later, it's like, here's another one, let's sell this one. And he basically was getting out of the landlording business. And so he came into town um, one year and he just said, hey, I've liquidated everything I wanna liquidate. I've been testing you over the last five years to see you know, your integrity and see who you are and those types of things. And I've got 5 million bucks with your name on it and I want to know what you want to do with it. And wow, okay. <laughs> um, the second he said, it was just like, boom. And I'm like, I know exactly what to do with it. And it's hard money lending. Because here was the problem as a fix and flip investor, which I was doing at that time, I had such a hard problem. I'd find a good deal. And then I'd call everybody in town and it was kind of like the good old boys club. And it's like, who can I get to do this? And then, you know, you call one guy and he'd say, oh, you know, some, you know, rich business owner. And he'd say, oh, I, there was a shooting last night in that area. I'm not, I'm not doing that area. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's on the whole other side of town. And then you'd call somebody else and I'd be like, oh, I'm out of money. And I had spent months finding a good deal, vetting a good deal, getting in our contract to find out that the guys I was hoping to get money from were nowhere to be found. And the banks won't do it for you because of the property condition and they won't let you do a, you know, short flips and that type of stuff. And so it was such a struggle. And on that very first deal I did, I found a guy named Dan who funded that deal and funded a bunch of deals for me. And if it wasn't for him taking a risk on me, I would have never done it. Um, you know, I couldn't have had the ability to do it. So when, when this guy came into town and said, hey, you know, here's, here's this money, let's do something. I said, hard money lending. And so we were kind of the non-bank. We said, if the property meets these criteria, we'll do the deal. Otherwise, we won't, period. Cut and dry, you know. So then investors had the confidence to go out there and find properties because they knew we had the backing for them. And so it's kind of the chicken and the egg. Do I find money or do I find a deal? Do I find money? Do I find a deal? And yes, if you find a good deal, you can find the money, but it can be painful to find the money. And so we started saying, hey, we'll fund these deals. And that just went up like gangbusters. To the point, we disconnected our phones and said, you have to go to our website and do an application. And if it looks good enough, then we'll give you a call. If it fits our criteria, we'll call you. And so, um, you know, so that really happened. And uh, we started expanding to multiple states. And then 2008 happened. And how did that treat you? <laughs> well, um, it actually, in the grand scheme of things, it treated us very kindly. Um, what was interesting is my financial investors, our guys with capital, like that first guy, they performed better in our sector than anything else they did. So it was interesting because one of the guys that, you know, we brought on, his stockbroker, his financial invest advisor was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this hard money thing. Like, are you kidding me? And he did it. He put like a million bucks with us, um, you know, just to kind of get started to, to wet his feet. But what's interesting, at 2008, his stocks tanked, everything tanked. But his real estate investments, he actually ended up making some money. And it wasn't big money, but he ended up 
breaking even or making a couple of two or 3% on his money. And after that experience, we made it through 2008 and liquidated properties and rented properties if we needed to. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about real estate. There's lots of exits. You can sell it, you can rent it, you can, you still have a tangible asset. It's not a piece of paper. And so, you know, they started seeing how beautiful that is and, uh, you know, ended up making some money through the 2008, even though it was a difficult circumstance. But years later, they came back and said, here's more money because this did so much better than everything else I had. Um, and so it, it was, it actually helped in the long run, but in the short run, it was painful. Yeah. Awesome. So you've got now, I'm, I'm kind of putting a couple pieces together. So you've got this software that helps you kind of analyze and, you know, determine whether certain deals meet your criteria for making hard money loans. Do I have that right? Yeah. So we call it the advanced deal analysis software. So you basically put a deal in and it'll tell you if the property's rural. It'll tell you if it's something that's in an area that can lend. It'll go through risk factors, you know, high crime, neighborhood, you know, flood zones, all that type of stuff. And then it also breaks out the deal for you, how much you're going to make. Most people forget about so many costs. They forget about agent fees. They forget about title. They forget about all kinds of stuff. So it breaks that all down and says, here's what you can do. And so you can, our, our customers do hundreds of those. You know, they're plugging deals in all the time. Um, we also have a software that helps you uh, determine the, the value of the property. Um, we have another software we call the Next Deal Blueprint, where you actually put in your personal criteria, your information, how much money you have to invest in marketing, how much time you have, and it builds a 90-day blueprint of exactly what activities to do week by week to get a deal in the next 90 days or less. Now, that's so pretty cool. That's exactly what to do. There's no guesswork about it. We've got the math on it, and obviously, there's some variation based upon areas and that stuff, but we've got that built in. Um, and then we have just the uh, project I've been working on for uh, over a year, which we call the Investor Dead software. Um, it's, it, we call it the unfair advantage. So, you know, with that software, you have access to um, uh, MLS, you have access to tax records, bankruptcy, foreclosure, you can do any search, you know how much equity we have access to their, um, we have access to their mortgage information, and then we can do skip traces, and then we can do postcards right out of it, we can do uh, mailers right out of it, we can do ringless voicemail right out of it, we create websites right out of it. So it's all package deal, you go in and say, here's what I want, here's the criteria, I want to be under 250,000, I want to go after vacant properties, I want these criteria, and then you can blast out your marketing directly from the software itself with the click of a button, literally in, in 10 minutes or less, you could send out a voice broadcast and start getting phone calls. Man, Ryan, can you imagine what it would be like if you had something like this at your disposal when you were 21 <laughs> years old buying that first duplex? That's what I keep telling people. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, the other cool thing about it is it also has rehab costs. So you can go in there and you can put in, I'm doing this rehab and it'll tell you, you don't have to be a, a big contractor. You can say, I want to put a deck on and the deck's eight by 10 and it'll say, your deck's going to cost you $3,000 and it'll do a full parts breakdown, which gives you the ability then as you're working with a contractor, make sure you're not getting ripped off and know what the prices are. You can do granite countertops, tells you how much. So it's got that, it's got access to the MLS, you can pull your own comps, make sure you're there, and then it's got the finding. And then we also do analytics where you know price changes, what's happened in the area, what's happening with prices, you know, the whole gamut of it. So I'm really excited. We actually just launched it um, two weeks ago. So uh, this last Monday, a week before we just launched it, and um, it's just, it's a game changer. We've never seen anything like it on the market, so we're, we're stoked. 
Yeah. So, you know, kind of going back to this, this wheel analogy I made earlier. So, you know, you started off in your bread and butter, single family homes, do some fix and flips. Now you've got into the uh, hard money world and you've kind of built this software to help other investors get started. So kind of talk us through that education piece that you've now turned and starting helping other people, you know, become real estate investors and do their first deal and all of that kind of gamut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's probably the hardest job in the world. Um, is helping people find the motivation, the desire, having the tenacity to stick with it, to actually go and do a deal. It's it's the hardest. It's such a hard job, um, you know. And there's a lot of different places. I mean, there's a lot of places where it's like, hey, give me fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, and I'll show you how to do it. And some of those I think are worth the money, and some of them I don't think are worth the money. It really depends on the quality of the education and the materials, those things you get. I mean, we we have some packages where we help people. Um, we give them tools and software and and uh, access to capital and different types of things at a very very economical price for that. But um, the the bigger challenge with that is getting people to take accountability take the action, you know, go out there and do it, do the homework assignments, because um, we can only do one piece of the puzzle. And that's, I, I, am, I have a passion. I have a deep desire to help people, give them the tools for them to be successful, just like I had the opportunity. But I need somebody on the other in line that's going to go and do it, and we'll put those things in place. And so, I am constantly looking for what is the thing that's going to help our people, you know, next? What's the missing gap that will help them get to the next level? And I'm constantly going to be offering that and pushing that and giving that. Um, but we're looking for the right people that are willing to do the hard work, that are willing to paint at night, that are willing to, you know, get themselves dirty and not necessarily they got to do the work themselves, but they're willing to do the hard work to go find the deals. Um, and that's the, that's the constant uh, the, uh, battle for us is getting the right people that are we're willing to go do the hard work because it takes work. It's not HGTV. It takes a lot more work. I mean, HGTV doesn't show you how much time it takes to find a property. You spend so much more time finding than you will fixing it. You wake up and it's like, hey, we got this great deal. Oh, I got a phone call from someone that has a killer deal and we're going to buy it. You know, it doesn't yeah. work like that, people. It doesn't work like that. No, it's so true. And, uh, you know, Ryan, one thing about real estate investing is sometimes it can get a bad rap because there are a lot of real estate investors out there and then there's some bad apples in the bunch. And just like in the hard money world, yeah, it's a great resource and can serve its purpose. But sometimes there are some bad apples in the bunch. Obviously, not you, but, uh, you yeah. know, there are some people in the industry that are a little, uh, you know, unethical, if you will, at, some t at times. Sure. So, you know, people out there, new real estate investors, I also see a lot, have a little bit of trepidation around hard money. Anytime hard money or comes up, it's like a little bit of a red flag. Who is hard money good for? And then how, how do they use it correctly and make sure that they're going to kind of wind up on the better end of the deal? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. What's funny about that is, you know, hard money back 18 years ago, what didn't have the negative connotation like you may you know, think in your mind today, it was, it was hard money, not because it was hard to get, it was hard money because it was lent against a hard asset. And that's kind of the, the foundation I think a lot of people don't realize is the idea with a hard money lender is we're lending on the hard asset, we're not lending on the soft assets. So the soft qualifications is job and income and W-2s and all that type of stuff, credit scores. The hard asset is the property. So a true hard money lender, which I think we're one of the few true hard money lenders, we are really looking at the property. That is the primary concern is the property. So we're gonna be conservative on the values, but we'll allow someone that has horrible soft assets to be able to get a loan, as long as you don't have bankruptcy or in the middle of a foreclosure 
foreclosure or judgments and, you know, collections that could attach to a property. So as long as you don't have those things, we'll give you a loan for the most part. I mean, there's always some, some things, but you know, 90% of the time we will, um, as long as you've got a good deal. And that's really where the kicker comes in. And, you know, we can get a bad rap, uh, you know, sometimes cause we're saying, Hey, this is not a good enough deal, or you need to buy it for a higher, you know, you need to buy it for a lower amount, or you need to put more of your own cash into it. And then we'll look at doing the deal. So, you know, for us, we're always giving loan offers. We, it's very, very rare. We say no to a deal. What's more common is we say, we can do this, but this is all we can do on it. So you're going to have to figure out a way to come up with a rest, or you're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, uh, get a better deal or just go find a better deal. Because a lot of people right now are trying to find properties on the MLS and uh, it's so competitive. There's so many people going after them. It's just really difficult. If you're not going after off-market properties in most areas, you're going to struggle to find a deal that's going to work with a, with a hard money lender. So I, I think the hard money works for you know people that are new, people that are getting started, or people that want to leverage. If you want to leverage um, you know some of your money and put something in, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's a loan. You've got a loan. You've got the house. As long as you do what you're supposed to do, um, I can't not do something I told you I would do because that's all in writing. So um, the only way I can take the property is if it, uh, you know, it expires, you take too long to get the deal done per the agreement or you stop making payments on it. I mean, beyond that, um, you know, once you have the loan, there's really, I, I don't see how a hard money lender could take advantage of you. Yeah, no, I like that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a little eye-opening when you define hard money the way you do. I used to kind of think of hard money as like hard terms, hard loan terms. So that's kind of where I was coming from with my perspective of hard money. But interesting to hear your definition and, and how it used to be and, you know, the kind of origination of hard money there. So, yeah, really cool stuff. Now, going forward with these hard money, what are some kind of common loan terms one could expect? Yeah, I think um, it it's going to vary from lender to lender. I think a, a lot of lenders, you're going to get like, um, there's some short long terms where you're five or six months with another, you know, three or four months extensions where you're in and out in eight months um, or less than a year. Your Most of your fix and flip stuff is going to be a year or less. Um, there are, is some fix and hold stuff that we're able to do where we can get you like a three-year deal. Um, rates and points are going to vary based upon, you know, kind of risk-based pricing. The more risky you are, the property is. Um, so you can see things anywhere from, you know, two to three points all the way up to six and a half points. Um, you can see things as low as 10 or 12% all the way up to 18%. And really what it's going to come down to is the risks for the property. There's, there's multiple risks. So the bigger that rehab, is, the more risk that there is. So if you're doing a, you know, $100,000 rehab and you're a first timer, that's a really high, high risk loan. If you don't have experience, that's a higher risk loan. Um, if you're in certain uh, price ranges, that could be a higher risk loan. Um, if you have a criminal history, you know, even if other than driving, you know, that could be a high risk loan. If you don't have any money in the bank, that could be a higher risk loan. So we kind of look, there's about eight factors we look at on the personal side. And there's about eight factors we look on the property side, having done this for over well over a decade, um, we know what's going to drive a higher risk. And so what we do is we just price accordingly. So you're going to pay more. So, I mean, if you're just getting started and you don't have experience with those things, you're going to be on the high side of that. You may be six and a half points. You may be five points. You may be 15, 18% on the interest rate. Just be prepared for that. Um, but the nice thing is if you can get money when no one else will give it to you, you got to take it. It really, you know, it really comes down to, are you going to be profitable? Are you going to make money? And then as you lower those risks and the risks, factors or look for different properties that have different risks, then you know. The nice thing for us is our software tells you, you don't have to guess. Before you make an offer, it says, 
this is where this is going to be priced at. So you're, you know, before you go get it on a contract. Yeah. And I think one thing to point out here, Ryan, is you are loaning your personal money or your network's personal money. So you're not going to go loan, you know, way more than you should on a property. So it kind of keeps the borrower in check in some aspects too. Yeah. I look at it. I tell people all the, all the time, we're your last line of defense. So you do everything you're supposed to do. You make sure it's really a good deal. And then you let us look at it because if they don't make money, we typically don't make money at all. Um, it does not make any sense for us. So we want to do deals. If we can't see how you're going to make a profit, we're definitely not going to make a profit. So we're not going to get involved in something like that. And that's one of the most difficult things. You know, we'll have somebody that brings us a property and, you know, they're all excited about it and they already bought tickets for the kids to Disneyland and the Disney cruise and, <laughs> They're celebrating it. And then our guys get out to the property or the evaluators look at it and they come back with different figures. I mean, I've had deals where, um, you know, a, a customer thought the properties were 300,000 and the values came back at 100,000. Yeah. And those things happen all the time. Now, with our Investor Edge software, you, we now have access to AVMs, which banks use all the time, which helps. It's not an accurate value, but it's, it's a good value. And then we have access to full comps and full tax records from your computer instantaneously 24 seven. And then you can sort and decide which ones are the best comps and organize. And, and most people find the highest comp and use that. We teach people pick the lowest comps, work your way up until you find one that's going to be comparable. Use those three and bank it off that. Don't go for the high and work your way down because that's where we see a lot of mistakes. If you end up higher, great. You make more money, but don't use the highest comparables. It happens all the time and it ends in heartache. Yeah, no, absolutely. Conservative underwriting is really important. Conservative numbers. So yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Ryan, let's do something we haven't done in quite a while on the show and kind of walk us through maybe one of your best and worst deals. Oh, man. So um, <laughs> let's start with worst deal. <laughs> um, I bought a property that I got emotional about. Um, I've only done this, I think, twice in my life. Um, but what was happening, this was prior to 2000. Yeah, this was prior to 2008, I think. Um, we, we lived in a little, we, we lived modestly. And that's a, that's a tip I would give to anyone. Um, we lived in a 1300 square foot house and, you know, and, and loved it. But there was a, a neighborhood we really liked. And um, we were worried that values would continue to go up. And so we ended up buying a property in that area. We wanted to have kind of thought we'd move into it long term. And um, we ended up renting it. But the problem was, is the rent was $500 less or $800 less than what the loan was because it was a, you know, $700,000 property or a half a million dollar property. And so we thought we were doing the right thing by staying in our current house, which was like a $800, you know, mortgage and renting out the other one, waiting for the time where we would want it. Cause we were afraid that, you know, that deal would slip away or that values would continue to go up. And the interesting thing about it is we uh, owned that house for probably five years and we never moved into it because another opportunity came up for us, which was even better than that one. And so we ended up moving, which was the right thing for our family. And we're so glad we did. But then I ended up losing $100,000 on that property when it was all said and done. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, like you said, you let the emotions get the best of you and not necessarily the numbers. So that's where you can really go wrong right there to begin with. Yeah, and, and the big thing for me was just, you kind of get like, and I think a lot of new investors find this as well. You kind of fall in love with that one deal. You know, you got the emotional side, but then you have the other side of where you're worried, is another deal going to even come along? And if you're patient, 
deal flow happens if you're patient and you have the right systems in place. And so letting a, a, a good deal go for a great one uh, just makes a lot of sense. But that, that's a painful, painful lesson to learn. Um, luckily, the second time I was emotional, um, I broke even. And so I didn't lose money, but uh, I will have the scars of that property. And I was probably winning the property two times. Yeah, yeah. Well, on a lighter note, how about one of your better deals you've had? <laughs> um, you know, I, most of our deals we make there with very few exceptions, I can think of maybe just a couple of deals where we didn't make money. We typically always make money on deals. And I don't say that pridefully. I say that because if you do the right work on the front end, it pays off on the back end. And if you walk from deals that are questionable to wait for deals that are good or great deals, it pays off in the long run. Because no, it's back to the, you know, the uh, Warren Buffett stuff. You know, the return of your money is more important than a return on your money. You got to make sure you're going to make money on the deal. If, if too many people try and put a square peg in a round hole and try and make a, a questionable deal work and they get themselves in trouble. So, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of great deals. One that comes to mind, probably uh, there was a deal in Sandy that we did. We actually bought it funny enough. And I tried this a few times. I bought it from auctions.com and uh, found the property. And usually, you know, we've struggled to get good deals from them, but um, found a great deals in Sandy. It was a great neighborhood. Uh, we ended up putting the repairs on it. And I think we made, you know, 60,000 bucks on that, give or take. And uh, that was a really clean, slick, easy deal for us. And, uh, and again, really profitable. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and like you said, you know, uh, that the Warren Buffett quote, you know, return of your money is more important than return on your money. So you're going into all these deals with the intent not to lose money. So yeah, you know, when you're making money on every deal. They all tend to be good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, you know, what are your reasons why, you know, you've built a lot of different businesses from your initial, you know, bread and butter of single family homes, you know, you're out here doing a lot of different stuff and continuing to build things and grow your portfolio and help others. So what's driving you? What's motivating you? So I think a lot of things, I mean, I like to help people and I like to help, help the underdog. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big uh, Imagine Dragons fan, the band, you know, and they've got this new song called Underdog. And, you know, it's great to be the underdog. And I love underdogs. Like, that's just kind of my thing. Like, I love seeing, you know, David conquer Goliath type of a situation, especially when the odds are stacked against you. I love seeing the underdog prevail. And, um, and I believe that I do that in helping people, you know, get started or get down the road of real estate investing and adding value to them. I also believe, and this is something that, um, you know, just real estate fix and flipping or real estate investing can kind of have a negative connotation. And I don't look at it that way. I actually think, I think of ourselves as real estate problem solvers. And the better that your problem solver you are, the better you can do at this business. I mean, a perfect example of property I just got, you know, the guy had, um, you know, he, his health was getting really bad. He needed to get into a rest home and most of his money was in the property itself. But the problem was he needed to get a rest home tomorrow and they didn't have any money to put them in. They were short from social security and they needed some cash. And I came in and bought the house within a couple of days and they had the money and got him into a rest home and the family's so happy. And I've got a property that's in a horrible condition that needs a full remodel and I'm going to sell it and make a profit on that. But it's a win-win. They're happy. They got a bunch of money. He'll have enough money to stay in that rest home for the rest of his life. I got a good deal on the property. They were able to put him in right away. Like we're real estate problem solvers. And so I, I love solving problems. I love, uh, you know, seeing transformations. There's just nothing like the, the joy of creation 
Um, I just think there's even something spiritual to that. This whole process of creation, making something out of nothing is just uh, so, uh, so gratifying and challenging all at the same time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. As real estate investors, at the end of the day, you really are just a problem solver. So finding those problems you can solve, the more problems you can solve to help more people, the more you're rewarded. So, you know, that's just the name of the game. And yeah, awesome stuff. Well, Ryan, as we're wrapping up here, we've got a lightning round. It's just a series of questions we ask every one of our guests. Are you up for it? Yep, yep, I'm in. All right. Well, the first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that? You know, we kind of touched on it. I really think it's having the courage to do it. And um, the way I overcame it is my, I married the right woman that kicked my butt and told me, let's do it. Worst thing is we go bankrupt and, you know, that's, that's easy to overcome too. So um, having enough confidence to overcome the challenge would really be the biggest hurdle for me. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I'm really into um, early to bed, early to rise. Um, I get to bed early. I don't watch a lot of TV, very little, if any. Um, TV's not going to our house. Um, I'm a student, so I'm constantly looking for new ways to do things. But, I, but you know, honestly, probably the biggest habit is finding someone that's doing it and having success at it and modeling um, what they're doing, I think, brings uh, and drives the best success. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Ryan, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day-to-day? -day? Um, there's a lot of ways that, there's a lot of directions that could go. Um, the best online resource, I would probably, uh, okay, we'll, we'll go with this early to bed thing. Um, one of the apps that I really like that you could call an online resource is the Sleep Habits um, sleep habits app that I love yeah. it tells you the quality of your sleep and all this type of stuff. And I really like that. I think, um, sleep cycle is the name of it. Sorry for the plug, but, um, I have nothing to do with it. No, that's uh, great. I love it. Um, I, I get to know my quality of sleep. I need, you know, which actually helps my mental capacity when I'm like, Oh man, I don't feel that great. It's like, man, I got a 90% sleep. I'm doing great today. Um, so I I've enjoyed that. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes for our listeners to pick up if they want. And yeah, something I'll certainly check out. Well, Ryan, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Well, um, a shameless plug, How to Get More Money You Can Never Handle, A Real Estate Investor's Guide to Funding Deals by Ryan G. Wright. Um, but besides, <laughs> besides that one, I mean, I think being a student is critical to being successful. I mean, I'm listening to, you know, high performance habits, uh, Brian Burchard, Brendan Burchard right now. You know, I'm listening to Miracle Morning, which I'm just a big fan of. Um, I, I love Shoe, you know, Shoe Dog, if you really put me to it. Shoe Dog's one of my new favorites. If you haven't read it, it's a great, uh, it, it's a great story about the battles and the successes and the heartaches of Nike and uh, how many, they almost went out of business 12 times and how it was, you know, it's a great story. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, there's so many good books out there. It's hard to narrow it down to one, but uh, obviously we've got your book, which we'll mention again at the end of the show and link in the show notes. And then of course, uh, shoe dog, you know, the story of Nike. And what was that one by Brendan? It's called uh, high performance habits, high performance habits. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll link those books in the show notes for our audience to members to pick up if they'd like. And then last question in our lightning round, Ryan, if you were to give advice to your 20 year old self to get started investing in real estate, which you almost did, what would it be? Start sooner. 
<laughs> 21 is still too start late. Sooner. Huh? Start sooner. Um, I think that's really, really what it is. Um, I guess the real answer is to find somebody that will help you find somebody that, um, find somebody that can help you. You can learn so much more by somebody else's mistakes and successes than you can doing it yourself. You still have to go through it. But if you can, it's just like reading a book. If you can get on the the shoulders of giants that have already been there, you're so much further ahead. Yeah, so true. Well, Ryan, hey, it's been a lot of fun talking with you and kind of learning your journey and just seeing the way you've evolved as a real estate investor throughout your career. Really interesting to see that. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to note to everybody out there that your path is one that's very replicable. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. I think even more, um, you know, there's a lot smarter people out there than me by far, um, you know, and there's, we we won, we won the lottery by being born in the United States. Like literally we won the lottery and um, just that alone gives us so much of a leg up to be successful in this country. Yeah, you're so right. Well, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun for the audience members that would like to learn more about you, connect with you, get in touch with you. Where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, come come over to dohardmoney.com, D-O-H-E-R-D-M-O-N-E-Y.com. And then we've got a special link for, for my book, How to Get More Money Than You Can Ever Handle, A Real Estate Investor's Guide to Funding Deals. And it's, so it's dohardmoney.com backslash way-to-wealth. So backslash way-to-wealth. And uh, you can pick yourself up a free copy of that, just a digital download. And um, I recommend you get it, but don't just get it, actually read it. Um, cause it will, it will help you steer you in the right directions. Yeah, absolutely. So that's dohardmoney.com forward slash way dash two dash wealth. We'll link that in the show notes, Ryan. Hey, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been a lot of fun having you. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. All right. That wraps up today's conversation with Ryan Wright. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you got tons of value from this show. If you like what you've heard, please go over and leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. To connect with Ryan, visit www.dohardmoney.com. For more information, resources, and to connect with me, feel free to visit www.jacobayers.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.